Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger, and I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart, and Then Go Save the World. My book is all about helping people love and be loved more than ever. I believe we all have a superhero of love inside of us. Yes, even you, superhero. And in this podcast, I talk to people who are all about helping us all tap into that superhero. May this episode make a difference for your heart. Let's get this party started. Welcome, James Redfield, to the Superhero of Love podcast. Well, I'm glad to be with you, Bridget. It's been, it's been way too long since we've seen each other. I usually, when I get really excited about guests, I speak in this really high-pitched voice. <laughs> and I'm, I'm consciously trying to keep my voice normal because I'm so excited that you're on the podcast because... Here's what you need to know that you may not know is that you are one of the most, you are probably the most invoked author in this podcast. Almost everybody mentions the Celestine prophecy on this call. I mean, on this, on this podcast. So it's, and you were a very, your book, Celestine Prophecy, and you personally were, both were very important to me. So let's talk about, to talk about that. So first, just to introduce, to introduce you formally, James Redfield is the author of The Celestine Prophecy That Changed My Life, The 10th Insight Holding the Vision, The Secret of Shambhala in, in Search of the 11th Insight, and, and The 12th Insight. Is that the full title of The 12th Insight? For some reason, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it's, it's The 12th Insight, The Hour of Decision. The Hour of Decision. Now, uh, you know, in, uh, just after 2012, and the Mayan calendar uh, ending, and, you know, when the debate then was, you know, what does it mean? You know, what, right. why? Why did it was it an ending? Of course, it turned out not to be any kind of ending. So then it must be a new beginning. And yeah. that's what I argued for in the 12th insight that, that we Beautiful. right there at that moment were able to tune into the to abundant energy that took us to a different level of creativity and an intuitive guidance and all that changed. Now, if you weren't tuned into that, not much change, but I believe that there was a profound shift that happened in consciousness and it just played out exactly that way. You know, a lot of things are happening right now that I'm on the road talking about. And one is yes, the re But you're going to be in Los Angeles. You were just in Boulder. So we missed getting the word out there for Boulder, but you're going to be in Los Angeles on February 11th. So that's exciting. I'll be there. So now I want to go backwards though and talk about how I first met you and how you changed my life. So first of all, I was about to open a drive-through cappuccino place in Los Angeles, the first drive-through cappuccino place ever. And I was on what was going to be my final vacation before venturing into that new world. And I was reading the Celestine Prophecy while we were on vacation in Venezuela. So I was, you know, close to Peru where it was mostly said. And anyway, it was just such a life-changing um, book for me because what it did for me along with other things, you know, uh, learning about power struggles and control dramas, it really had me pay attention to synchronicities in my life. And I know that that's a lot of people's huge takeaway, because that's an enormous takeaway if, to become newly aware of synchronicities. And we came home and just five hours after we got home, the Northridge earthquake hit. 
And we thought we, the back of our house had fallen down the hill. Anyway, we had to um, help neighbors. It was a huge emergency where we were. And I realized in that moment, I didn't want to do what I had set out to do. And it was in large part because my, my, it felt like my soul was kind of settled by the Celestine prophecy in a new way. And I started paying attention to the synchronicities and the synchronicities all said, open an angel store. And then <laughs> through the angel store, and I immediately started um, getting your uh, newsletters, Celestine Vision, which by the way, listeners, uh, if you too were a subscriber to the Celestine Vision, uh, Vision back in the day, it was a great newsletter and it's now basically housed on your website, celestinevision.com, which is great. Thank you for that. Um, and at my angel store though, I'm not going to go on too much longer, but I do need to tell these stories because they're so, they're so great and they're so telling of the, your power in my life. And I'm just one of millions of stories like this. So for anybody that is listening that hasn't heard the Celestine prophecy, we all have our Celestine prophecy, life-changing stories, right? So through the angel store, though, I first met you and I met Carol Adrian, who I ended up um, hosting at a workshop at my future writing partner's house, Judy O'Neill, we wrote The Lazy Woman's Guide together at her house. So then I knew Carol Adrian. And then in 2006, I was producing an event called Celebration of Oneness at the um, Pasadena Civic Auditorium. And that's where I met Sally for the first time, or maybe it was the second time, but that, where I met you guys in a new way. Because during one of the breaks, when you went to lunch and you came back to do the book signing, you came back with a dog in a dog carrier that looked exactly like my dog, Lucy. And I started to lunge towards Sally. And of course, she instinctively pulled back from my lunge because I thought somebody was playing a joke on me and had sent Lucy with you guys. And we then cut to having a play date with our dogs. Toby and Lucy had a play date and they fell in love and then they ended up having babies. And Tallulah is your furry granddaughter, my daughter, my furry daughter. That was all fun. That, that was all synchronicity playing out too, you know. That synchronicity was outrageous because listener, listen, listen to this element of the synchronicity. The week before I had been told that the stud that she was gonna mate with when I, when I got her, when I bought her from a friend's cousin, they said, you really need to mate her. We, we asked that all the owners of the girl dogs mate their dogs. And I was like, oh no, I'm a rescue dog. I've always had rescues. I don't do that kind of thing. And they were like, well, we really asked that you do that. So I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot. I found a stud. And the week before, the stud was deemed infertile and literally... This was several days later that we this synchronicity happened. And that's the level of synchronicities that everybody has, that everyone shares. And I just want to say on behalf of all of us, thank you for shining the light on this opening to our divinity. That's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, it's really fun back then. Celestine Prophecy came out and it immediately became a pass-along book. So we never did much with the book. I mean, we started off... Uh, visiting bookstores and speaking at small bookstores and and it just took off and as you know we uh, we had our own ver our own edition uh, with our own publishing company and then that got uh, bought up by a New York publisher and it just it went global and but all along it only did that because it was a pass-along book and it was a pass-along book because the major assumptions in the book 
were right. And that is that we were tuning into a new level of consciousness. And the first thing that shows up when you do that is synchronicity. So, you know, everybody was going, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm having these synchronicities. This is real. This is, this is not uh, something we're making up. Uh, and so it became a pass along book and, and, uh, you know, a sort of, you know, just took me on a journey back then and through all four of the books. Uh, and those books were spread out primarily because I was describing insights that I believed were, were coming into the culture uh, in, in a series. So I knew there were nine that were already there. And, and I had the publisher say, well, look, you have to write a new book right away. What, what you know, why are you taking so long? And I'm going, look, I'm, I'm describing something that I see out there that's real. So I can't talk about a 10th insight. You know, the first book went one through nine. <laughs> but I can't talk about a 10th insight until I really see one happening. And it didn't take long. Uh, you know, but probably by, uh, you know, the mid to late 90s, uh, sometime around 96 or 7, uh, what was occurring in the world, I thought, was a genuine another insight. And that was, of course, the 10th insight, which is the insight of realizing that we live in a spiritual universe and that we come from a spiritual place, we come into this dimension, and we do return. You know, heaven is not just uh, this imaginary place with clouds and people playing harps. You know, this is a real dimension, the afterlife. And that's when all the stories, you know, were coming through uh, from the near-death uh, research and all these testimonials of people who, who had a near-death experience, went over to the afterlife and started to describe it. Researchers started to compile all the testimony. And it was a awakening, aha, revelation, that this is, you know, we come from a real place. Uh, the afterlife is a real place. You know, this is, it's not imaginary. Uh, we, we, for a long time, you know, humans denied the idea of death so hard, they had to really deny the idea of a real heaven out there, right? I realized there was, it was part of the program. We do, you know, we, it, it's part of the program. We come from the afterlife, do what we're supposed to do here, hopefully, and we go back. So that was a big revelation, but they weren't done because two, three years after that, you know, there was this 11th revelation and it had to do with the power of intention. Remember when The Secret came out, the Celestine Prophecy movie came out, you know, or was beginning to be written and, and it was all about the power of intention. And so this was all of a sudden, prayer was not just this imaginary thing in the Bible, you know, it right. was suddenly, wow, we have this intention power, it's a spiritual power, we have to uh, be tuned in in lots of ways to be able to uh, maximize that intention power. But that's exactly what began to happen. Now, you know, the, <clears throat> we're just right now, as we integrate all this together into a, a different kind of lifestyle, more spiritual lifestyle, I think that we're realizing exactly what it takes to have a high powered intention manifestation power. But this is, this is not something that is new age, you know, bull. This is a real power, part of consciousness. And what we're doing now, though, is moving into 
through really the 12th insight, which is how this looks integrated into life, a full life. How do you practice all of these? And this is my message now. We're moving from insight, which is kind of a state change where you get all this inspiration energy and you, and you, you deal with culture control dramas and you deal with synchronicity and your sense of mission and all that in pieces. But what's happening is that we're beginning to make it a full lifestyle. So we're moving from insight to what I call ability. So these insights are now becoming abilities and it's happening slowly. Uh, but you know, it is happening. And one of the, you know, one point of evidence about that is that we're, we have two more, two new generations coming online with this. And uh, the reason I'm out on the road now and talking about this uh, everywhere I can <laughs> is because, you know, these two generations are swapping the Celsian prophecy around there in greater numbers. My publisher called and said, what are you doing with the Celsian prophecy? I said, I'm not doing anything. He says, flying off the shelves again because of some reason. So we started doing research. It's millennials. Okay, listen to this. Can I just tell you, do you know this? Do you know about rappers? So listen to this. Okay. I found a list that just went online a couple weeks ago. 10 critically acclaimed books rappers live by. Your book is one of those top 10 books. Rappers who love it, Jay-Z, P. Diddy and wife Clef, wife Clef Jean. That's right. You know, and they're passing other books around too. It's not just the Celestine Prophecy because it is, you know, they're starting to tune in. And, and uh, the way I like to talk about this is that, you know, every generation hits astrological key points, key ages, and things happen differently. You hit 30, you know, what does every generation think? Oh my God, you, I have to, I have to grow up. Are you kidding me? I have to start to make a living? No, surely not. And then past 30, <clears throat> what happens is that we try and finally do that. We do the, uh, very often the coupling thing. We do the, the uh, raising children. You know, we get that together until age 38. And in the sky, Pluto comes around and it squares 90 degrees from where it was when you were born. And so this bulk, uh, you know, this, in this, you know, it's got a wide span, so it, 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 it very often uh, hits a whole generation at the same time period. Oh, now, wow. back to the Celsian Prophecy, when it came out, baby boomers were reaching 38, and that's the age Pluto square Pluto starts to hit, and it, and it usually uh, hangs around until about age 41. And what Pluto makes you think is, wow, 40 is rushing right at me. If I'm going to do what I really want to do in life, I've got to get going, right? Mm -hmm. So 38 is all this questioning, what I really want to do. What, and, and you've got a whole generation of millennials, the leading edge, the leading mass edge of millennials is passing through 38 right now. So okay. that's why I'm not surprised that they're passing around spiritual books, including the Celestine Prophecy. Oh my God, it's so exciting. So um, I was asking friends what they wanted me to ask you because everybody has, has questions for you. But the, the overarching question that people wanted me to ask you is, 
has anything changed with your beliefs since um, Celestine Prophecy? Is there anything in Celestine Prophecy that has shifted for you in your understanding? To me, it just feels like it's, it's a forever book. That, I think then that, that's why it's, it's jumping off the shelves again, like it's evergreen, the wisdom in it. But people well, wanted to know that. You know, I think that I've reached a personal clarity about the, about the third insight that is both invigorating, but yet challenging. And it's this thing about moving from insight to ability. You know, what we're doing is just moving past this, this level where we can, we recognize it and we see these synchronicities and we talk about how great they are and we take advantage when we can, but they're sporadic, right? They're sporadic when our life, you know, the, our, our lives are supposed to be in a flow of synchronicity, synchronicity mm -hmm. all the time, okay? So what we're doing is we, is we begin to master this phenomenon of synchronicity and experience it more often. We're making key reaction changes in how we view the world. And so what's, what's happening now, again, is that we're taking all this more seriously and putting it into a new level of action and competence so that we're becoming more in a synchronistic flow all the time and more, you know, uh, we're tuning in more to what we really want to do in life, our missions, you know, we wanted that sense of destiny unfolding and that's what synchronistic flow does mm -hmm. where you just step into this flow. And if you keep it going, you have to have an attitude change in a lot of ways. So we can't, we have to stop. We have to stop interpreting some coincidences as negative. In other words, right. Right. Oh, that's so good. If, if you do that. And so yeah. right now, you know, I'm, I'm running around doing all these workshops because I believe we're, we're figuring out and it's the culmination of a hundred years of human potential research. But we, at this moment, as we move into uh, the ability stage with this consciousness, we're, we know how to do it. I mean, wow. we know exactly the right practices and reaction changes to be able to keep that flow going all the time. Now, I mentioned, I mentioned the third insight, because the third insight uh, I described as uh, the perception of how the universe uh, responds to us, our attitudes, how, how it responds. But it's really bigger than that, I believe, because it defines what really is the karmic structure of this world, uh, of this universe. And it all revolves around giving. So in, in, in the karmic structure, it's very easy, uh, very simple. Uh, and what it is, is if you're a giver, if you practice giving and you stay out of control dramas where you're taking energy from people and you look to be a synchronicity to provide the information just on, in time for another person. Oh my God, can I just stop you? To, can you? So you just said that phrase is blowing my mind. Looking to be a synchronicity is what you just said, right? right. Like be giving that I'm talking about because you know, we're running around going, okay, who's, uh, uh, 
I've seen this person in the park three times and now they're sitting in the bench right across from me. I know we're supposed to have a conversation. They're, go they're gonna tell me something I need to know at this moment, you know. We're looking for our synchronicities from people. But we change our karma. We become luckier, we become protected. All the other things that are real in this world, when we practice at least equal time, trying to intuit what the person we're talking to needs to hear right at this moment. Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Wow. So, so that's, that's when we, uh, that's, that's how we become luckier. And, and you know, I, I say this all the time and materialists and, and, you know, secular people, you know, go, this is crazy. But what I say is that we've never lived by the karmic structure. We, we, we haven't in mass ever, reached an alignment with the karmic structure in, on this planet and then once we do and practice that we'll be protected we'll all be very lucky we'll be in synchronistic flow all the time we'll all move into our missions wherever they are and the world can and the corruption can be exposed in this world and replaced very quickly i've never heard you talk about karma before i love the way you're talking about it so do you talk about negative and positive karma like that we can avoid so here it is it's, it's not negative there is no negative karma there is challenging karma if you're out of alignment with karma and you're a taker okay just an ordinary person who thinks that the world's absurd and they have to take what they want in the world, you know, from other people, whatever. They can do anything they want because people have convinced them that there's no spiritual reality. It's all just absurd somehow, you know. What they do is they, they're takers. They dominate, try to dominate people for their own ends. They try to use people. Uh, it's the people who sell people things that they don't need. You know, it's the people who mislead because it makes them feel um, uh, special or makes them feel uh, more uh, knowledgeable and secure in their own life because they, they can be put on a pedestal. Uh, you know, they try to get power over people and they, they, instead of spiritual power, which is consciousness and free, they want power from corruption that they engage in. You know, this is bad karma. Now, it's not punitive though it's not like you're going to get you're going to have a car wreck because you do this what happens is is that you if you're a taker you draw more takers into your life okay that's the karmic response you know if you're a taker more takers come in to take from you right and and slow you down and you stop your flow and not as punishment, but is, as a, to show you the, the, the harm you do by acting like you do. So it's a, you know, you a mirror. draw into your, uh, that's right, you draw a mirror in and you feel the hurt that you've caused other people. And it slows down and it's the opposite of being in the flow of a positive synchronicity and being lucky and having your dreams come true. It's, it's a very simple mastery. All you have to do is become a conscious giver. So you're not gonna lie because that's not giving. You're not gonna manipulate and try to dominate people because that's not giving. You know, you're not gonna be generous with, your, with a portion of your money, um, you know, because uh, and not be generous with some portion of your money. Uh, 
uh, and and that is bad karma. You know, it it it's just knowing that you have to be a giving person, and the giving it's the structure of the universe, giving people uh, uh, prosper. It's always been that way. If you look right. at the millionaire next door, they're not criminals; they're givers. Right. And um, it just occurred to me that the two things that are blowing my mind, the be a synchronicity and conscious giving are like, if you just walk out into the world, trying to be a synchronicity for somebody and see how you can, how you can consciously give to them. Those, those two things are dovetailed. Are they not? They're okay. That's beautiful. If you're a giver, what do you, who do you draw in your life? People who act just like you. If you're trying to give synchronicity, you draw into your life people who try to provide a synchronicity for you. So your unfolding destiny happens faster through this process of synchronicity. It's all designed to be that way, but we've never really put it all together. And, and when I talk about putting it all together into a you know, way to break through to this way of life, this new consciousness, yeah, I really, I really uh, talk about the human potential movement because, you know, we're, we're a hundred year mark in where I began the true uh, human potential movement that started with Carl Jung, you know, almost exactly a hundred years ago, who made psychoanalysis about spirit, uh, analysis about spirituality, right. not about, you know, denying our sexual uh, uh, issues, you know, <laughs> It, it's, it's a, uh, once you look at it, it's all been worked out. It's all there. And so, you know, a book that I'm working on now is just, just trying to reveal what has been put together about how to make the transformation that we're discussing now, how to move into a synchronistic flow, how to, how to manifest your mission, uh, how to not uh, how to be giving all the time so you attract all these people who show up just on time, allow your path to continue uh, miraculously, really. Sally shared with me your newfound passion for Enneagrams. Does that play into this landscape that we're talking about here? Absolutely. So the Enneagram, you know, it's, it's knowing ourselves, okay? The, the, one of the breakthrough points is, and this happens naturally in meditation but and by the way you know all the research shows that there's more meditation going on in the world right now than ever before yes. across all three or four generations that are alive on the planet so this this changes a lot just that because i think we the one of the breakthrough points is being being able to tune into your intuitive guidance because knowing where to go to, for your next synchronicity <laughs> is very important, right? Right. So we have to tune into our intuitive guidance. You know, when to call the old friend, when to go to the bookstore, when to go, to, you know, to hang out in the church or whatever, whatever it might be. You get intuitive guidance to help people at certain points and all that. And it, it increases your flow. But it, it's this tuning in that's amplified in uh, meditation because and and it's but there's a missing ingredient that I believe has just been added and it's, and it's not that the research hasn't happened 
so much. I mean, all the many of the 70s and 60s and 70s researchers on um, on meditation revealed that it has a healing quality for our emotions. But the healing quality happens when we download not just a kind of feeling of ego peace or an ego calmness, but when we intentionally try to download our true emotional state for the flow we're talking about. Mm. And that's love, okay? <laughs> All it takes is love, right? So you don't, but even, even people, even therapists, even people running around attracting thousands of people for their workshops will argue with me about about making love an essential element. Huh. But because at the same time, there's all this awakening happening, there's this secular materialism that's happening. And if you want to call that the dark, I do. That's the, the it has less light, the more secular and materialistic it gets, the, the life that it, that it produces, you know, the darker it is, the less lightful it is. So, but it's very, very, but it's a real clash of wills that's mm -hmm. happening right now. I don't call it a war because it's not a war, okay? Um, it's a secular kind of denial of consciousness and, you know, divine source and any of that. It's, it's a denial of that and this, this kind of assumption that, uh, we live in a materialistic world. It just happened. You know, you know, we don't know how it happened, but we have to make the best out of this material world. And there is no spirituality to be found because they yeah. have, okay? And no evidence for a divine spark in, in human consciousness. They, they just live there. And even people who are trying to shift the world in consciousness don't want to use love because it sounds too religious sounds too mushy it, it doesn't sound in this secular world of ours it seems naive and and uh, too innocent and innocent yeah yeah exactly but this is the very time that we have to reassert our our agape love power okay and that's what it is because it's it heals our emotions because if you download your love in this, when you're meditating, if you try to download the emotion of love, if you look for that, ask for that, intend that, it comes. It comes as much as the peace, the calmness of the ego. It, it comes in. It's a part of our consciousness waiting to be downloaded if we know to do it. And I think more and more people... Uh, are doing that spontaneously and it's beginning I believe to be discovered as a very very quick uh, breakthrough point for people who are stuck in their control dramas or their coping devices or their habits that are they know are negative but they can't break through because they don't have this alternative consciousness to sustain them so the more we talk about that the more we move into this ability to stay in this flow that I'm, I'm talking about. Blue, my teacher, Master John Douglas, blew my mind when he brought up the concept of 
loving God's love, the love of God's love that we have. And if you don't have, and I realized, oh, I have that, but I didn't know I had that loving God's love. And all of, all of a sudden, and that just popped into my head when you were talking, because it feels, it's like the most purest, most divine love. And it's this love that begets love that begets your divine connection. Say, it's a free download. All you have to do is <laughs> a free download, but you have to, you have to believe it's important. Are you meeting and a lot of people who are not finding it important? I think you have to, you have to force your way to success. In this. Wow. Whole peace thing, you know, they're losing that and the creative power that comes from because once you download, you download the, this true emotion, all the other emotions that come up in life can't get in and take you over because love is there. Okay. Try to, but when you come back to love, you know, you, you, that, that can be let go. You know, all these emotional, uh, uh, this pain and this anger and this hurt, uh, this anxiety, so much of that, you know, uh, the doctors want to give you a pill for. And uh, it's, that's that materialistic side of life. Uh, and once you go the drug route, you know, it's one side effect after another, as, as most people find out. Okay. And so Enneagrams are just a way to see yourself clearly, look at yourself clearly, see your subconscious drivers? Well, you know, what, what, what it is, is, is that at the same time you live in this higher self, you have to tame your need for whatever coping device is your favorite way to stay peaceful. <laughs> it's not, they don't work very long. But it's, we all have something, you know, whether it's food or whether it's drugs or whether it's just basic obsessions with sports or fashion or, or movie stars or, you know, it can be anything. But it's this, it's this, whatever it is, has to be let go of. And the Enneagram, as a symbol, as a practice, reveals First of all, your mission in life, your natural personality uh, for giving. And it also shows you exactly how you distort that into a defensiveness. And that defensiveness is to try to find peace by, you know, pushing the, the, your growth away, pushing the synchronicity away, pushing any idea of uh, a divine spark away. And, uh, and of course, that's, that's just the dark side. It's just more the dark side, the unenlightened side, the untapped in side. Uh, so we're the, at the same time, all this consciousness is blossoming. There's all this materialism, you know, reaching out for young people at the same time. And while it's not a war, as I said, it is a replacement that happens. And that's the power of this centeredness that is the state we want that heals our emotions so that we can be contagious uh, to other people because people, our brains are wired to pop into this consciousness. Right. And once you see it around you, you go, what does that person have? What do they I have? feel like that's something that I also got from the Celestine Prophecy. If you're just tapping into it, just 
just let yourself feel it. Let, let yourself go there. Yeah. The only, the only thing that holds us back is a negative interpretation. You know, we've, we missed the silver lining. We missed the, you know, the positive interpretation, even though it's hard. Some, some challenge is hard. It has, you have to find a way to make it a positive synchronicity that keeps you in the flow. That is so, that is like, I think that might be my aha. I had so many aha moments during this interview, but that aha moment of like not deeming a negative synchronicity a synchronicity. I think I've done that. There's, there's a silver lining in there. I remember at one point I was writing this, you know, hold up in this one bedroom apartment, uh, having just quit my job and gotten a divorce, deciding, oh my God, I'm 39. I've got it. If I'm going to write this book, I need to write it, right? So I'm trying to write it. And at one point, a series of challenges occurred. You know, it was, it was pretty much finished, I thought. And I was looking to, uh, for investors to, uh, to get it out in the world. And this one person came forward. And I, uh, so I, with money, you know, with promise of money. So I went out and spent a bunch of money to get, you know, let's, Let's go send it to the printer. Let's go, you know, we're going now. And he suddenly pulled out, suddenly pulled out. And so I actually threw it in the bottom drawer of, uh, of, the, you know, of, of the chest of drawers in my apartment and thought, you know, maybe this is not supposed to be. Wow. And then other things started to happen and one of them was that I found out this guy was a real crook and it would have been a disaster had he been part of this effort to get the Celsius Prophecy out. So I finally drug it back out of the, out of the uh, bottom drawer and started to work on it. And it, it needed a lot of work. And, but I was, I found, oh, this was a positive. This wasn't a negative. Other right. people came in with investments and, and we were able to uh, publish it uh, you know, from our own, uh, own company. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's what we ha all have to do, you right. know, that's but beautiful. this is, a this is not, th you have to really remember to do this, right? <laughs> this is not going to be just part of the fun and chatter about synchronicity. This is something that you have to actually be determined to do in your life. And that's when we move from, you know, a kind of, uh, state of inspiration and to a, to the real ability to keep this flow going. That's beautiful. I love that distinction. I'm going to hang on that distinction too. Thank you so much. Oh, James. Also, I didn't publicly thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the blurb for my book. That was so generous of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you are that giving. So is Sally. Both of you are just when you're out in the world, you are all about, even if you're just walking down the street and you're not engaged with somebody that you're passing by, I feel like, like I've followed you walking on the street and I feel like you're giving even to the people that you're just passing. There's just something about you. Well, giving energy is something you have to do consciously. It's and, so amazing. And I talk a lot about that because to integrate this stuff, you, you eventually live in the state of tuning in. So your intuitive intelligence uh, broadens and you are actually able to live a, a kind of the synchronistic flow and to realize that you, you have a, a wider aura, you know? I mean, and once you, once you see that, and it comes from giving, right? Because 
if you're giving energy outward to, to a lot of people or to the whole room you walk into, what happens is it acts as an elevator of their consciousness because we're, again, it's contagious. We're, we're wired to, to live at this level uh, once enough of, us, enough, of us, enough of us are doing this. And so it's, uh, it's an ethic. It's an ethic. But what, you, what happens is that you don't have to, I mean, we go, well, how do we keep that much energy flowing? Oh, my God. Well, it's, it's natural because once you intend to go into a room with uplifting energy, what happens is that it, it, that energy comes through us first, lifts us into the elation of it, right. and then flows out to everybody. Right. It's a way to tune in to more and more energy. The more you give away, the more you get. So. I, you know, whenever I have a dinner party or, you know, do, do something where I have to ex expend a lot of energy that I love doing, I love, everybody knows I love throwing dinner parties, right? And when I, but that takes a lot of energy and I, I love that kind of giving, but it always, always, always after I've like cleaned the last dish and, you know, it's the next day and I'm thinking about how fun that was and always I get this, I get some great blessings come to me, right? Like it always comes back and like I have energy, like I'm not exhausted the next day. I have, you know, you know, it's, it gives back, right? The elevation, I love that being the elevator. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's human destiny. We're, we're destined to live at this consciousness, but yeah. we can't, we can't hate. We can't spend our time yelling at a politician on the television, right? It's not a war. It's not a war. It's a living at a higher level to be a beam for other people, a beacon, an example. And it's contagious. So once we get out of the ego battles and into just living it, we have our greatest influence on, on people around us in the world in general. Mm. We have we have to just let stay in that flow. And, and again, that means staying positive with all our creations. Wow. And one more point about the Enneagram. It, what the Enneagram does, and I encourage everybody listening to just find out what your type is. And, you know, we're all individualists, so we hate to be typed, right? But think of it this way. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a God stream. Okay, it's an angle on life, nine angles on life that becomes your, is your natural way of being in the world. And it's, there's a natural gift for that this, every personality type has a, a talent to do certain things. And so what we do is have to, once we know that, and we, and we can read about this, once you know what, pretty much what your, uh, your stream is, what your personality's gift is, then you can catch yourself when you misuse that gift. Ah, uh, perfect. So, um, you know, I'll just take one more minute to just give myself as an example. I'm a five personality type. What is the gift of the five? Well, fives run around in their cave with all their books, all these books. <laughs> and for those of you that are just listening, he's, he's surrounded by books. He has books floor to ceiling behind him. Well, the thing is, and we, we ponder around, and the gift of the five is to dig up uh, uh, secret information and realize that, oh, this needs to be out in the world, and to take it out into the world, right? Oh, 
Beautiful. But the coping device, misuse of that gift, is to, is to uh, doubt yourself. Oh my goodness, I know this is important, but who am I to take it into the world? You know, I'm just going to go from one thing to another, you know, so I'm just going to, my coping device is to just look, try to find new information every day for the pure pleasure of it for myself and not find something that you can actually deliver that helps people in the world. Okay. So yeah. the growth of the five has to be to move, to integrate more of the eight. Cause on that, on this Enneagram circle, there are nine nine uh, numbers that, that uh, represent each of the nine streams or types. And there's a line going from the five. Each number has a line going somewhere. The five number <clears throat> has a line going to eight. Now eight is a completely different type. It's, if, if you think of all the people who are courageous, their mistake is to be bullies, but they're courageous, man. They can get up and talk to anybody. They can, they'll be the one running toward the gunfire to help, help others. They're the, the policemen, the, the soldiers that, you know, so that's what the five needs, right? Think about it. So got it. this symbol is telling me that to get the secret information out into the world, I have to integrate this five stream and blend it with my five. This, this eight string and blend it with my five. Right. So it points to how you grow. Wow. Once you wow. know all the streams, you know exactly how to integrate the stream that you have to broaden your, your current personality into to grow. So it's this map of how to actualize uh, your greatest creativity. So, uh, you know, I'm, all this is, is will be in my next book, the next you know story, the next oh. parable. So that's uh, great. And I saw I read an article that you wrote on Enneagrams that's on Celestine Vision too. I can include the link to that in the podcast notes so they can get a little window into your wisdom about this. That's right. And you know, it's something that I believe is is a true development. It's not a new insight, but it's a development of how to uh, to increase our ability to live these other insights and make them, you know, integrated into our, our, our lifestyle. So that we become, uh, you know, make the bearers of the, this higher consciousness that we can serve other people. That's beautiful. Yay. So inspiring, James Redfield. Thank you for coming. And I'll see you on February 11th in Los Angeles. That will be fun. And everybody go sign up for James' um, website alerts at CelestineVision.com. Anything else you want them to know? They can Google where I'll be on the Celestine Prophecy Inspiration Tour. That'll be part of it. And, uh, and they can find online exactly. What they need. I think it's Conscious Life Expo uh, in LA. Well, I'm very excited to see you finally. Are you bringing Sally? Please say you're bringing Sally. Well, you know, Sally's doing her own thing. Yeah. I'm going to have to have her on next. You need, you need to uh, do that. If anybody gets a hit to explore um, HK, holographic kinetics, uh, there's a site online. That's what she's uh, pursuing. Yes, which I know nothing about. So I'm totally excited to talk to her about that. I'm excited. Uh, we'll have her on. Therapy that, that heals you know, our deeper 
anxieties and, and traumas, even back past life, ancestral. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an Aboriginal-based uh, psychotherapy, which is wow. really quite transforming. Can't tell wow. you guys are always doing totally cutting edge stuff and you're doing, you're also never doing the same thing. You're always doing two different amazing things. What's just next for us? Thank you for being such a beautiful light in the world. Thank you for bringing that contagious love <laughs> into the Superhero Love podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Carry well, on with your writing and all this spreading the word. You know, you're, you're doing great. And, thank you. Yeah, oh, love is not a bad word here. <laughs> it's about cultivating agape love power and influence. It's not about just calming the ego, okay? Right. You can meditate and you can really calm the ego, but you can go, to, you can go so much further. That's a great distinction. Thank you, James. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Oh my God, can't believe I finally got to talk to you. James Redfield of the Celestine Prophecy that really was such a seminal book in my life. Um, go check him out at CelestineVision.com. And if you like the podcast, please go rate, review it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. Get more superheroes of love into the fold. That's what it's all about. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.